Our precious Father, we just want to thank you that from you come all good things that are good and perfect. From you comes wisdom, from you comes knowledge, revelation, strength, life. From you come everything that we need. Father, I stand here and I just offer myself to you that you will feel this vessel to overflow in and let the overflow of your spirit bring revelation and wisdom to everybody today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, we are at Weapons of Our Warfare Part 12. We've had uh, some weeks where we couldn't do this because we are doing other Having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the helmet of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. 17. And take the helmet of salvation in the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And 18. That's where we are right now. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all sins. Now, as a matter of introduction, let's remind ourselves of the need to be serious with God's word. To give time to study it. To pray for revelation in it. Not to live by presumptions. To meditate on it day and night. Instead of meditating on earthly things, worldly things, to endeavor to walk by it, to let it shape our thoughts and our daily life, our daily actions. If we do not do this, we're going to lose big time, brethren, because we are not going to see the enormous benefits the word of God brings into our lives. It is the only means of making us live the life God planned for us, the life of Christ himself. Here is what the devil does with such people who don't care to understand the word of God. They can sit there and then turn it around over them like a water over a stone. This is what happens. Matthew 13, 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, when anyone, anyone sits there and hears this word of the kingdom and then understandeth it not, anyone, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by this wayside. This means. This person cannot use the weapons of God. Because the word of God in him has been taken away. And so all the weapons of God have their source from the word of God. Take the example of the weapon of truth. 
The weapon or shield of faith comes from the word of God. The helmet of salvation, which protects your thinking and heart so that you can stand rooted in the benefits of your salvation. Against the lies of the devil, the weapon of the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the spoken word. Such a person has no weapon of God at all. It's laid bare of any weapons of God. How does such a Christian ever win any spiritual battle? But because he's ignorant, he doesn't even know what he's doing to himself. He's harming his soul. He's really harming his soul. Because this word of God is, is what delivers your soul from the corruption around you, from the deceit of the devil. And his word is lamp unto our feet and lamp unto our path. It's, his word is, is lamp unto our feet and light unto our, our path. This moved so much. Yeah, his word is, <clears throat> is lamp unto our feet and lamp and light unto our path. Now, without it, what light does such a person have to guide him in daily affairs of life? And especially when he's engaged, when the enemy engages him, when Darkness engulfs his circumstance. What light does he have? And if the enemy misses your sense of values and priority, he has you where he wants you. Remember why God's people are destroyed? It's because they lack knowledge. The only thing that will give you knowledge is the very world you don't care to understand, you don't study, you don't give time to, you don't invest in. You can't get it from any other source. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And destruction can be gradual. It may not happen overnight. It might be gradual. Until you find that your life is falling apart. Everything around you is decayed, falling apart. Also, let's remember Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them to her house, into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Forty. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Don't they look reasonable? Stop teaching Jesus. What's important now is dinner. Tell, me, tell my sister to come and help me. Forty-one. But the Lord said to her, My dear mother, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Which means I'm not going to tell her to go to join you, and I'm not stopping the teaching. You can't take it away from her. Because she's interested in it. 
So this is what happens to people who don't have the word of God in them. Matthew 12, 43. When an evil spirit leaves a person, he goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none, then it says, I will return to the person I came from. That's why people don't understand that when you are healed by the power of God, the symptoms can come back. The devil doesn't attack you once and go away. He comes back, always comes back, always. Those symptoms always do come back. Those situations always do come back. Allah says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, when, when, you are done, when it's done with you, he goes into the desert seeking rest by finding them. Then he says, I will return to the person I came from. So I'm returning back to that same person. So he returns and finds the former home empty. It's empty. Swept and in order. But it's empty. Then he, the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That would be the experience of this evil generation. Let me tell us something. If God gives you healing, if you receive healing from God, and you allow the devil to come back, it's more difficult the second time to kick it out. It's not as easy as the first time. If you kick it out, it will go, but it will take more effort. Jesus said, he will go and fortify himself because he knows there's going to be an attack on him. But if that heart is not empty, instantly, if, if the word of God comes out of your mouth, you kick it out and resist it and you won't find a place in your heart. Colossians 3.16 Let the message of, about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that Christ gives so that when the enemy comes, you won't be empty. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now let's go to what Paul was is writing to us about pray with all manner of prayer and supplication in the spirit for all saints. That is Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer. So the different, different types of prayer. I don't know how many Christians know all these different types of prayer that the Holy Spirit has revealed to the church that we should be praying. And supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all sins. Now, we explained what supplication means and the difference between supplication and intercession. And we said the word supplication is used more times than intercession in the Bible. But you won't hear it being used anymore. Because everybody's an intercessor. They have an intercessor group. Intercessor this. I'm an intercessor. And some people, because they're intercessors, Nobody, talk, nobody talks to them again. They are so anointed, not even their pastor can talk again. It's an intercessor. Now, what is an intercessor? He doesn't know. 
doesn't even know. The scripture says we do supplication for the saints. Supplication for the saints, not intercession for the saints. So supplication is a heartfelt seeking of God on an issue. My wife can pray for me and do supplication for me, but she can't intercede for me because I don't have any case with God. I have peace with God. You, you, you don't come and be interceding bef- between two people who are at peace. You see, if there's any issue, you can't. They need somebody to come and be an intercession. I don't need intercession. Well, I have peace with God. What are, what are, are, you, what are you interceding for me? But you can pray, prayer supplication with all your heart for me. Now, the other thing is, what does it mean to pray in the spirit? Because we need to understand all these things that Paul said, that the way to pray is to pray with all prayer, with supplication in the spirit, and with perseverance. So what does it mean to pray with all prayer and supplication in the spirit for all sin? What does it mean to pray in the spirit? Now, when we talk about in the spirit, you hear all manner of stuff. All manner of stuff. People don't read the scripture, will not get revelation, and they use words they know little or nothing about. This is not being, having, being in the cloud or the time, flowery stuff and doing things that are totally odd, calling it being the spirit. If you are reading the spirit, we won't go around talking about it. See, a lot of things that people say that reveals their ignorance. And they're acting in the flesh and claiming they're acting in the spirit. And you look at what they're doing, it's totally flesh. So let the scripture tell us what it means to pray in the spirit and what it means to walk in the spirit. First definition of doing things in the spirit, Revelations 1.10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book. Send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Simna, and Simna, Simna, and unto Pegamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Was in the spirit and had things, which means this was not an experience that he had. With his natural senses. He didn't hear with his ordinary ears. He didn't hear with regular eyes. Now, Revelation 4.2, we make it also clearer. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. Which tells you that this is not a physical thing. It's a spiritual experience in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he, had, he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow around about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. 
So now this is not something that happens in the physical realm. Which means it's an experience that you have by your spirit being. There is this spirit personality which we have. So all that John was seeing was he was seeing it by his spirit eyes. So he says, I was in this spirit. Which is, I'm doing this by my spirit being, not by my physical being. Immediately you begin to see what it means by I'm in this spirit. Which means, I'm doing this not by my physical faculties, it is by my spiritual faculties. Now, Revelation 17, 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So this movement was not physical movement. This is a spiritual movement. Peter had the same thing. He asked 10, 10, and he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending Unto him as it had been a great sheet neat at the four corners and let down to the earth. So this is again a spiritual phenomenon where your natural tendencies are suspended. But this is not how you live 24 hours. These things happen as God chooses to give this kind of experience for the purpose of establishing his purpose, his plan. His plan. For the Purpose of establishing his plan. He gives this kind of experience as the spirit chooses. And it's not a daily something. You might have it once in a year. You might have it once in your lifetime. You might have it once in a week. It's as the spirit chooses. It's not the daily way of living. There another definition of being in the spirit. By scripture, it's Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit now. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. You see, this is another definition. This is another definition. The other one we saw, your natural, your natural um, uh, faculties are suspended. And then by your spirit you see things, by your spirit you hear things, by your spirit. That's one. But now here is another definition. And that will take us to what Paul is talking about praying in the spirit. Now he says, but you are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, she calls it the spirit of God, calls it the spirit of Christ, because that's the only one Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, spirit of Christ, because Christ is God. It's God. That's why Christ can be omnipresent, omnipotent. He's in you, he's in me, he's in everywhere. He's in people in Nigeria, people in Russia. He's everywhere. Only God can do that. No angel can do that. No, demons can do that. Only God. So he, calls, he says, the spirit of Christ, he is not his. If you don't have that spirit of Christ in you, you don't belong to him. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, what is he talking about? He's saying, if you have the spirit of Christ, your spirit comes alive. You are created new. You become a new creature. Your spirit personality is not dead in sin and trespasses. It's very much alive. Now, John 3 says, 
that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you see, the new man that is born of the spirit, born again, is what he's talking about. He said, if you have the spirit of Christ, you are now in the spirit, which means you have that spirit component of you, which is very much alive. What does it imply? Because our spirit is now alive, by the spirit of Christ in us, we can do things either by that spirit now or by the flesh. This is not what God initiates. The other one we read about God initiates it, but this is what you can choose to walk in the spirit or choose to walk in the flesh. So you can choose to pray in the spirit. You can choose to pray in the, pray, pray in the flesh. You initiate this one. If you initiate it, the spirit of God will cooperate with you if you walk in the, your spirit, by the spirit. But if you decide not to walk by your spirit, then the flesh will cooperate with you. So now look at what it says. So to do things in the spirit is to decide to pray by your spirit being. And you're going to understand it further as I explain it now. Now, when you, your spirit being will always walk by the word of God. Because it understands it. It's in agreement with it. Because how the nature and the life of Christ. But your flesh we walk outside the word of God because it doesn't understand it, it opposes it, cannot obey it, cannot walk by it. So now when you do things that are outside the word of God, you are walking by your flesh. So when you do things that is within the word of God, then you are walking by your spirit. So if you want to pray, as Paul said, pray in the spirit, you pray within the confines of scripture, within the confines of the word of God, within the confines of God's will. Philippians 3.2 Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. You see, these people are walking by their flesh. See, they're walking by their flesh. They're walking now outside the will of God. Now, verse 3, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. So when you do things, depending on what Christ has done, depending on the revelation of God about Jesus, and don't put your confidence on human effort, you are doing it in the Spirit. By your spirit. So to pray in the spirit is not easy for you to understand. It means you pray as guided by the word of God. As revealed in Christ. By whom we do all things. Never outside of him. Such prayer is prayed depending on what privileges Christ has guaranteed us. Prayer prayed inspired by the spirit of God. Of truth. The same Holy Spirit that wrote the Bible, when you begin to pray according to the truth that the Holy Spirit reveals, he is walking with you. He is walking together with you because you are in agreement with him. Walking by your spirit. He doesn't walk by your flesh. And traumatic thing is you pray in faith. You won't pray in doubt. Because the flesh does not believe God. It doesn't know anything about God, but the spirit does. So you pray in faith. Now, it is very important that you note that the scripture 
is a more short testimony and witness than any spectacular experience anybody can have. It is very important that you know this. That the scripture is a more sure word of testimony, a more sure word of witness than any spectacular thing you can experience. And if that thing you experience by spectacular means is not underwritten by scripture, it's not God. It's not God. The scripture is the most, again, important way the most important testimony and witness than any spectacular thing you experience anywhere. I don't care you had a voice. I don't care you had a dream. I don't care you, God told you, didn't told you. If it's not scripture supported, it's not God. Peter, they had this experience on the mountain where they saw the glory of Jesus. And Peter writing later on said, we saw this thing. But he said, but we have a more sure word of testimony, the word of God. And you do what to listen to the word of God. Don't follow people's spectacular experience. Don't follow it. We were not told to follow it. You follow the scripture as the lamp unto your feet and light unto your path. Look at what Peter said here. Second Peter 1.16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. 17. For he, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Man, he saw it. He, he was there. But 18. And this voice came, which came from heaven we had when we were with him on the holy mount. 19. We have also, also means, this is a witness, we saw it, but also this. The witness by, of scripture is the also one. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the dead dawn. And the death star arise in your heart, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not from old, not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. He said, This also, this witness also, is from the Holy Spirit, and is a more sure. Word of prophecy, a more sure word of witness than even the one we saw. For the Holy Spirit wrote this one. Yes, we saw it. He received this glory. We were there. But also, there's another witness of the Holy Spirit about Christ, about who he is. Written by the prophets. Written by the apostles. The cornerstone of the church. He said, you, you better listen to that thing which is written. So yes, prayer by the Spirit, yes, you can have spiritual experience, spectacular experience, but anybody can walk in the Spirit who is a Christian because you choose to walk by the infallible witness of Scripture. And you and the Holy Spirit can now walk together. That's what Paul is saying by praying in the Spirit. 
It doesn't mean you must have, you know, you must be in the cloud floating somewhere. I've never been in the cloud. I think I, one time I think I had that experience. One time. It's a long time. It's a long time. But my whole desire is to walk in, this, in the light of Scripture. That's enough for me. If God gives me another experience like what I had many years ago, awesome. I will enjoy it. So when Paul said, pray with supplication and then pray in the spirit for all sins, that's what he's talking about. That we can pray according to the word of God within the bounds of the will of God for all sins. Now, this scripture we read that Paul said we should all pray with all manner of prayers is a call to believers to their priestly duty of prayer. God's priests. We are God's present priests. A call to active duty. One of the services we render, one of the services we render by our spirit, as Paul said, he served by his spirit, is to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted by God. This is what Paul is calling us all to do by this verse. Our duty as priests of God is to offer spiritual sacrifices. And Paul said, we too are the temple and we too are the priests of that temple. Under the Old Testament, under the New Testament, every believer is a holy priest of God. Unlike the Old Testament, we are the priests only. We are the ones who offer sacrifices. And they came from one tribe. Also, unlike the sacrifice of animals which the old priests offered, the New Testament priests also offer a different kind of sacrifice through Christ, who is our Lord. Not blood sacrifice for sin, not blood sacrifice for sin. Jesus has already done that. But there are sacrifices acceptable to God that you and I should offer to God as the priests of the New Testament. And they are all in the Bible. And prayer is one of them. Praise is one of them. Look at 1 Peter 2.5. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. So we are the temple of God. What more? You are his holy priests. Holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. We offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Christians should know what these sacrifices are and make sure you are offering them. And prayer, like I said, is one of them. Look at Revelation 1.6. I have made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, David spoke prophetically about prayer being a sacrifice that the New Testament priest Christians should offer. Look at Psalm 141 verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit says we should do with our hands in church. It didn't say we should clap after sermon, clap after prayer. There's no verse that says that. But we are, this is perversion. What the scripture says is to lift up holy hands. 
in prayer as our sacrifice as priests. That's the method we are told to use. Lift up holy hands and pray. It's your sacrifice to God. David spoke prophetically about this thing. And now it's happening. Revelation 8, verse 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers. Do you remember what David said? Let my prayers be an incense. He should offer it with the prayers of all saints, because all saints are priests, upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came from the prayer of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Five. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. David said, let my prayer come as sacrifice, as incense, with my lifting up of hands. Now, Look at Revelation 5, 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamp, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests unto God as we shall reign on earth. So you see what this, what this scripture is saying. That, that, that sacrifice is being of, 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 of that sacrifice of prayer comes to the altar, but Jesus is the high priest at that altar with his blood, ministering on our behalf as our intercessor. So when this prayer comes, they burst into praise to the, to the lamb who was slain, and because of his blood, that we have been redeemed and will now receive privilege of offering this because he made us priests. So we can bring our prayer as an offering to God because of the blood of Jesus. So Paul was calling every Christian to this duty as a priest to pray for all saints. Look at what Paul wrote. First Timothy 2.8 I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands. You see what David said? Lifting up holy hands praying is sacrifice. He said, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. That is praying it by your spirit, because by your spirit you can't doubt. Now, 1 Timothy 2, 1. 1 Timothy 2, 1. Yep. I thought, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, then intercession now, because we are praying for all men, unbelievers and believers, unbelievers, Unbelievers pray for those kings who are heathens, they don't know God, kings, and for all that are in authority, they may be heathens, it doesn't matter, 
We should pray for them, make intercessions for them. That Why should we do that? That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. When we do this, then we can check the spirit of demons that are caused confusion in nations. See why it's part of your spiritual warfare. They are hidden kings, yes. They don't know Christ, yes. But we're not told to go and gossip about them, talk about them, oh, get angry about them. Because we don't take scripture serious. We violate it at will and don't even bother about it. What we're told to do as priests is to offer the sacrifice of praise. We have this privilege because of the blood of Jesus. And when we do that, the Bible said, the angels will begin to throw down the power of God and throw down, this will come as thunder and lightning and things. And then there will be peace. We can check Satan in our nation this way. There will be peace. Why? Verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God as Savior. Who will have all men to be saved? You see, that's why it's intercession. All men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You see, Peter said that we've been called to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Paul says this is one of them that is acceptable to God. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. And we forgive their sins and restore their land. Check the devil out of the land. Check evil out of the land. Oh no, we won't do that. Ha <laughs> ha, we know better. So we sit on television, we instruct us what to say, what to do. And God is watching us. Priests, we left our duty. We're not doing what God wants us to do. And Paul calls us to order and said, hey, it's time to pray because you are priests. You offer the sacrifice that is acceptable to God. For all men that are not saved in intercession, for the Christians and saints, supplication. Oh no, want to gossip about the church, gossip about the pastor, gossip about everybody. Have you prayed for them? Oh no, no. So prayer is one of the duties of every Christian has as a priest for the sinners, for all sins. Paul said, let's do that with all prayer. All prayer. Praise, like we mentioned the prayer of praise, is also a sacrifice we bring to him through Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12, 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. Because it directly sacrifice of praise to God. Continually. Not murmuring, not complaining. The, the volume of murmuring and complaining we have given about government people is, un, is unbelievable. Not even heathens have matched what Christians talk about. And we think it won't affect us. I don't know. I really don't know. But the scripture warned us not to murmur, not to complain. And it told us it gives entrance to the devil into our lives. Again, I, I, I keep warning us, this thing may not happen overnight, but it, it, they keep eating, 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 
Kitini, and you find you don't have any more passion for God. You're just a hanger. So gradually, 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 you throw away your faith. Let us, therefore, offer sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. It's sacrifice that we priests offer to God. Sacrifice of prayer, sacrifice of praise. There are other sacrifices, but this is not what I'm teaching here today. Let me show you one of them. Romans 12, 1. It's one sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's another sacrifice. You have a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see, the service of the priest is to offer the members of your body to God and not to evil. That's a sacrifice that we present that's acceptable to God. That's acceptable. Paul, Paul, Peter said, We are priests now who offer to God. Spiritual sacrifices. This is one of them. Again, because this is not my topic, I, I'm not going to be going further into this. Now, let's look at praying with all types of prayer. Praying with all types of prayer. We talked the other time about prayer or praise. You might as well go and listen to that. And then if I have time later on in this period, I, I can go back there. And show us some of the things that we should praise God for, which we don't. Now, but let's look at united prayer. Praying with one accord, according to scripture. Again, in the spirit, it has to be according to scripture. To be in the spirit, it has to be according to scripture. Praying with one accord. Acts 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. 24. And when they heard that, listen to this. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. That's why it's called united prayer. With one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. 25. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathens read the people imagine vain things the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the lord and against his christ for of a truth against the thy holy child jesus whom thou hast anointed both herod and the pontius Pilate with the gentiles and the people of israel were gathered together you see they started this prayer and by quoting scriptures they quoted the book of Psalm. So this is what the scripture says. So why shouldn't the Holy Spirit be working with them? Why is it not prayer prayed by their spirit? This flesh can't be quoting scripture. Flesh knows nothing about scripture. When he quotes it, he quotes it wrongly out of selfishness. Look at verse 25. Who by the mouth of thy servant David said, they started quoting David. David was a prophet. David had revelation about the wills and purpose of God. He wrote some, some, some 22 about the cross, some 23 about now, the Lord being a shepherd right now, and some 24, he wrote about the, the, the coming king. He wrote every word of the cross. And Jesus quoted him and said, you know, David's a prophet. He says so, so, so. 
who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vengeance? The kings of the earth stood up, the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatever thy hand had and thy counsel determined before to be done. 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by setting forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness, 32, and the multitude of them, multitude, they will tell you these people are not in the flesh at all. They are not in the flesh at all. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart, brethren, one heart, one soul, one heart, one soul, they were walking the spirit all the time. If you read the book of Acts, the testimony about them said that they continue to walk in the comfort of the spirit. Look at it here. You say, I'm in the spirit, but you're a troublemaker. You, you, your anger is always run a riot and you leave the spirit. You won't let somebody hear. You're in the flesh. One heart, one soul. Nobody come and say, hey, hey, Peter, this is you are saying. God told me in the night to, I have a message from God. Or to I hear from God. Nobody does that kind of stupid thing. One heart, one soul. The, the apostles told them, everybody agreed. Multitude. Nobody said, eh, in fact, this thing people are saying, if people have agreed with them, we won't be in this trouble. It's because you didn't agree with them. What is wrong with not agreeing? Nobody, not one person had disagreement with this thing. They said, God, you said this. This is what you said. It's happening. No single canal person. Not one. People say when the spirit, we let the people hear the spirit in the spirit. Look at verse 32 again. And the multitude of them that believe were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. United prayer. One heart. One soul, total agreement, total agreement. And what, and listen to me. Did you hear what they say, Sister, Sister Agnes, lead us in prayer? They didn't need that. Or uh, Brother John, you are the one to lead in this. No, they didn't do that. They all lifted their heart, their voice. At the same time, their spirit was united. Their soul united. And that was one body, the body of Christ. 
They didn't need one to lead them. They came at this. Immediately they did this. The anointing of God began to take over. And the Holy Spirit recorded their prayer as one voice. He didn't say, John says so, Agnes says so. He recorded what they said as if one man said it. That's how united and in the spirit they were. They had no value for other things. They said, this is my own. Don't give. No, no, no. They said, I don't have value for that. Jesus was all and all to them. Period. They loved him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their being. They valued him more than anything else. Anything else. They were glad to help people. They didn't know to be forced. This is called United Prayer. Pray. Supplication. In the spirit. Persevering for our sins. In the spirit. It's right here. It's right here. It's no flesh. No flesh, brethren. And then he won't, he won't be praying. It's pride. He thinks, uh, is it that thing they are saying? Oh, mind them. That Peter said, you know. Every time I'm telling him, he needs to be wise. You know, we are Christians, but we need to be wise. Why, why did they go and oppose the authorities there? No such thing. No such person in the multitude. Look at verse 33 and let's see the result of this united prayer. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them. Grace is always upon the humble. It's always upon the humble. Always. 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. Oh, yeah. Paul said that we should pray for our sins like this. Supplication in the spirit, not in the flesh. Flesh will bring division. Bring, I know what I'm doing. Bring a judgment. Bring gossip. Bring that's not that. Multitude, brethren. Let me show you something. Verse. This is amazing. Acts chapter four. From verse twenty-four. And when they heard that, look at the record of the Holy Spirit. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. That God was able to record what they said. Every of them was saying the same thing. It's amazing. Oh, man. It's amazing. And said, Lord, thou art God. This is what the Holy Spirit said they were saying. That one voice. That's what heaven had. From these people. Multitude. One voice. You know why they could do that? Colossians 3, 14. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. 
clothe yourself with love. Not with religion. With I pray, I pray midnight. <laughs> I fast. Clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. They said nobody owned anything. Perfect harmony of love. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. No agitation. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. It will produce this. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives you. Sing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs to God with thanksgiving. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now let me see if I can handle prayer of agreement. If I can't finish it, finish. the next Thursday we'll continue with that. Now, prayer of agreement is closely following this united prayer. It's the same principle. It's the same principle here. The only difference between prayer of agreement and united prayer is that in prayer of agreement is two people. And two people, it, one has to pray so that the other person will listen. So see if you can agree with what he's saying. If two of you are praying at the same time, we'll not be able to know what this person is saying, what this person is saying. Because you need to agree. You just need to agree. So in this prayer, I want you to, you say, this is what you need, this is what you need, because you are the one that has this need, and they explain it to me. Then we go to scripture, and we read about this prayer of agreement, and renew our understanding in it, and follow it as instructed. Then I say, okay, you pray now. Then I agree with you. I have to know what I'm agreeing with you about. Ecclesiastes told us in Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one. Two are better than one. So you need somebody who speaks the same faith language as you do. Somebody who understands how to believe God. How to walk in faith. Because the devil will attack that. He will attack you people and say it's not working. And if you don't know how to resist him, the moment you give up on that agreement, the whole thing, prakatam, is gone. Because that agreement is with Jesus. Why? Because he, this is his word. And the Bible said, Jesus said, whatever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm right there. This is his word. So if you agree and perform this word, you are in agreement with him. But if, if any of you violate that, that is over. Just forget it. So that's why it's important that you do it right. And deal with somebody who, who understands what this is all about. So you need to sit down and open the scriptures and read it together. Say, bro, what do you understand about this? This is what the scripture is saying. These are the steps you are supposed to take. Now let's take them. And this is what we are supposed to agree. And this is after agreeing, we don't pray about it again because there's an agreement signed right here. Whatever the devil is doing, we know we keep thanking God. You need to reassure yourselves about these things. You don't see anybody say, bro, I agree with me. <laughs> bro, I'm going for an interview. I agree with him. Is that what the Bible says you should do? That's not what he said. Look at Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything which they shall ask, you haven't asked, you say, agree with me. Bro, I'm going to interview. Agree with me, I will get it. Is that what he said? That's not what he said. 
You haven't asked. That's why it's prayer of agreement. There has to be prayer. Quit the ask. It shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. They are missed. This agreement is between me and them. It's my word. So condition is, it works on earth. You can't go to Mars. You can't go to the moon. Now it has to be here on earth. And thank God we are here on earth. Involves two people and the Lord. A three-card agreement with the Lord. Then you shall ask again. Paul said when you pray, pray in the spirit. Which means you have to ask within the limits of God's will. You can't ask, let us pray that God will give you somebody's wife. You know that's not praying in the spirit. That's the flesh. Absolutely that's flesh. So you have to pray these things in the spirit. Guided by the word of God. By your spirit. Then after you've prayed, then you have to agree that God has answered. Then you say, Lord, we thank you. You said this in the scripture. We have asked. We have agreed that the scripture is fulfilled right here. And we are in agreement with you and we give you thanks. And you go your way. Then you cannot back, you cannot back out. Because the enemy tries our faith. I'm telling you, he does. He will try it. Oh, he will. And you say it's not working. No. You have to stand firm and say the word of God is true and overcome him. You overcome him. And then you see the glory of God. Because you have to show your faith in this thing. So that's how this prayer of um, agreement works. If two of you shall agree as concerning anything, quit they shall ask. Quit they shall ask. Quit they shall ask. It shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Again, like I said, it is, it is, it is prayed by your spirit, in the spirit, guided by the word of God, guided by the will of God. You can't go and be asking anything outside this way. He won't hear you. It's not going to happen. Now, I've dealt with these two prayers, United Prayer and Prayer for Agreement. Uh, by Thursday, we'll continue. And remember that prayer is the act it's your duty as a priest. It's your duty to offer up script, spiritual sacrifices. By the time we go to prayer of, of, of uh, commitment, you will see that it reflects on Romans 12.1 to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. If I have time and God leads us, we can talk of other sacrifices that the Christian offers all the time. And the reason that you have to pray with us is that you can't let the fire of the altar for you go out. It's always good to give God praise all the time, worship all the time, have uh, communion with him all the time, continuously. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the, info, the truth that you have revealed to us about our role as priests here on earth. We reign on earth, but we have to offer spiritual sacrifices. Prayer is one of them. Praise is one of them. And offering our bodies to you is one of them. And the other spiritual sacrifices with the scripture reviews. Pray, Lord, that you help us to see the benefit of all of this. That as we do this, there can be peace in our nation. We can check out Satan in our nation, in our government system. And then we all live in peace and we're able to do evangelism. We're able to fulfill your will for us. Thank you for this revelation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.